those of you that have been with us, we've been talking about um, a really great topic that we've all been enjoying called Too Much Flesh. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, I love this. You know, too much flesh, you know. And uh, actually, it came from a word that God began to speak to me because I've been seeking the Lord, you know, about a lot of things, um, about the situation that our nation's in that I believe, you know, has put us in a very vulnerable position for the enemy to, to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, things that are happening in homes and families that I know are not the will of God, not the plan of God. And, uh, you know, I believe that when we run up against an enemy that is not of the flesh, we cannot fight him in the flesh. When we're walking in the flesh, we have no defense against an enemy that plays with our flesh but understands the spirit and understands that unless we are in the spirit and we take our authority and dominion, by the Spirit, that we will not be able to stop the works of the enemy against our life. So I pray tonight that we're all, all wise. Everybody say wise. And understanding what the will of the Lord is, it says, in the times you're living in, you must understand what the will of the Lord is. And we are living in desperate times. All over the earth, there are desperate times. That just means God's going to show up, and when he shows up, it's really going to be known that it's him. You know, we can rejoice because in the midst of the darkest hour, light really penetrates. And so I believe God's about to do mighty things in all of our lives. Um, but we have to make some decisions, all of us. And uh, it says in Isaiah, I'm just going to give a little review. How many of you were not here the last couple of weeks, so you've not heard part of this message? It's online and there are CDs. But um, as I was just asking God and seeking God, he'll answer if you ask. Uh, he started speaking to me about being willing and obedient. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. It also says in Isaiah... Chapter 1, following that verse, if you're not willing and obedient, if you rebel against the word of God, that you, you will not reap any kind of harvest that you're looking for. It says you'll be devoured. And so that's not God devouring people. That just means when you do things that get you in a place out of the protection where you can be, if you're willing and obedient, into a place where there's no protection, that things are going to happen that we don't want to happen. How many of you have ever been over on that side and realized there were some not-so-good things that happened over there? And so, you know, and all of us would say, I want to eat the good of the land, but the condition would be willing and obedient. And as I began to just really study that, God took me back to Amos 3.3, which he has over the years many times. He says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? That was God's word to his people. That wasn't God's word to people who didn't know him. That was God's word to the people of Israel. And he said, if you don't agree with me, how can we walk together? And so I really began to study that a lot. And uh, we talked about Galatians 3.3. 3. Having begun in the spirit, we end in the flesh. How many of you know it's easy to begin sometimes, but it's not so easy to finish? And the enemy is always coming for us, and he never comes for our spirit. Man, it's strong. You know, our spirit man is alive unto God. The devil can't come after our spirit, but he'll come after our flesh, that soulish realm that will yield to the, to the enemy's lies because we are flesh. We do have a flesh, but hopefully as we grow in God, that flesh becomes submitted to the spirit of God on the inside of us. And rather than our flesh ruling, our spirit rules. And so as I was praying about this and seeking God, I said, you know, I don't understand some of the things that are happening. I, you know, I'm even in the church, and uh, especially in the church. But I noticed that Paul wrote a lot to the churches. I mean, he was reading a lot. He wrote a lot to the churches. I noticed in the Old Covenant that God was speaking to his people 
a lot about the things that they needed to do in order for his covenant, in order for what he wanted in the earth to be revealed or manifested. And he wasn't speaking to the ungodly. He was speaking to the godly. And so as I began to look at that, I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe things are in not so good a shape because we're not all doing what we need to be doing. Or at least maybe there's things I need to be doing because I can only take care of me. But I was reminded of Deuteronomy 30 that says, choose this day whom you will serve. I set before you life and death. I set before you blessing and cursing. Now, what God was saying is these two choices are always before you. But he said, choose life. Choose the blessing. Everybody say willing and obedient. See, that's where those things flow is over in that, in that promise. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Uh, Matthew 6, where it says you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and you'll hate the other. How many of you know that um, that scripture goes on and says you can't love God and love money? The biggest challenge that people have in our nation today, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, is that money is their priority. It, we're thinking about money taking care of us when really God has to be our priority. What is God saying to do so that we will be taken care of? Because money is not our security. God is our security. And so as, we, as we're walking in this time... Um, I was at a meeting in Tulsa, heard Pastor Sharon Doherty say that uh, Solomon... How many of you know the story of King Solomon? I mean, man went into power asking God for wisdom, asking for the ability to rule the people the way God would want them to be ruled. And God said, because you've asked this, I'll not only give you the wisdom to rule, but I'll also give you the riches that go with it because you asked for wisdom. So this was a mighty man, except it says he got in an uh, in alliance. Everybody say alliance. He got in a, an agreement, a compact. That's what alliance means. He got in a... A situation, it's like a covenant with Pharaoh. Pharaoh, Egypt was always the enemy of Israel as far as God was concerned because they put their confidence in Egypt instead of their confidence in him. And so when they did that, they put themselves in a place of saying, we don't need you, God. We need man to take care of us. And when they did that, then they were in that position. They rebelled and they ended up in a position of lack. And so, you know, as, as I heard that, Pastor Sharon was just preaching about something else, a fork in the road, I think was the title of the message. But I heard that alliance word, and God began to speak to me, unholy alliances. And so I started looking at the word of God, and I found many, many, many in the Old Covenant situations of unholy alliances. If you want to read about it or hear about them, you can get the CD or listen online and get those scriptures and study it yourself. But it was over and over. All of a sudden, everywhere I was reading in the Old Covenant said they allied themselves or they were in alliance, allied, alliance. It was like everywhere I turned, you know, I thought there never used to be this many alliance words in the Bible before when I read through the Bible. I don't know where they came from. But, you know, they were there. I, you know, how many of you know God calls attention when he's speaking a word? And he speaks a word in season. He speaks what we need for the moment we're in. And I was asking. And so then he took me to Second uh, Timothy, and last week we talked about it, chapter 3, where it, where it says, in the last days there will be perilous times. And the perilous times, if you study that, simply become, people become more lovers of self than they are of God. Everybody say the flesh. And that's what it says in Second Timothy 3. They will become lovers. Men will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, but then it goes on and says, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. And if you look around today, I'm not saying all people, but that spirit is 
really strong and prevalent in the earth today. And then it says traitors, headstrong, haughty. That just means prideful, and they think that they can do it. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It doesn't say they won't love God. It just says they love these other things more. And I've always said to the Lord, how, how will the elect in the last days, how will it be that even the elect will be in position that they could be deceived? It doesn't say they'll all be deceived, but it says they'll be in a place where they could be deceived. I'm thinking, how could that happen? But I've seen it happen to people I love, to people who were walking with me. And suddenly, they just went, they just took a turn, and they went the wrong direction. And, and you couldn't convince them that it wasn't real. They became deceived. Everybody say deceived. And what happened was they loved themselves more than they loved God. It doesn't matter how you slice it, how you package it. The bottom line is they were not able to love God more than they loved what was happening to them. Does that make sense? And so the enemy knows where those weaknesses are. The enemy brings things that as Christians we say, how did that happen? Why did that happen? How many of you ever said, why did, why did that happen? Watch out for that. Watch out for that, because that's a question like Eve asked. Well, did God really say? As soon as we get in that arena, we are subject to a fall in the spirit world of our life. Not in the natural, I'm talking in the spirit. We'll begin to lose our confidence. Everybody say lose confidence, and we begin to fall away. Well, as I study this, um, and, I, and I know all of this, there's one scripture that God pounded in me years ago, and it was in Matthew chapter 6. It said, take no thought for your life. Now, I thought about my life all the time. And you may say, oh, I never think about my life. Well, think again. Ask God. How often do you think about yourself? Well, I had three kids. I was a single mom. I thought about myself all the time. I thought, I, I don't know how I'm going to eat. I don't know what I'm going to wear. I don't know what they're going to wear. I don't know if, I, I mean, I had, you know, I didn't know any, I had lots of questions. I, I didn't have any answers that were secure. And then God said to me, take no thought for your life. And then he showed me Revelations chapter 11, verse I think it's chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. Can you put those up there for me? Then I heard a loud voice, say, loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. Everybody say kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of, of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Everybody say he's under my feet. Okay, let's go on. Then it says, and they overcame him, that's the church, people who know God, by the blood of the lamb. Did you have anything to do with that? Any of you have anything to do? No? That was a free gift, amen? And by the word of their testimony. Do you have anything to do with the testimony that you have in your life except to proclaim God did it? Part one and two are all about him, amen? But part three, which you rarely hear, <laughs> you hear part one and two. They overcame them by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Amen. Well, there's another part to that. And not, they did not love their lives to the death. Now, you know, you know, as a Christian, we don't want to think about maybe physical death, but I'm telling you, there is a death that we have to walk in continually in our flesh. And we have to make that choice. Everybody say, make the choice. This one God is not going to do for us. This is something we have to do. And we have to make that choice on a daily basis, if not hourly. How many of you thought you were really doing good till noon? And then you completely blew your day. Hallelujah. Yeah, see, you're laughing. I know. I know what that feels like. 
And so, you know, the, the good news is we have this word, I repent. Everybody say repent. That means I turn away from, I'm not going to do that again. But we may do it at 5 o'clock. But then we say, I repent, I turn away. We have grace, grace, grace. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. But we do not have a free ticket to live and walk in our own selfish ways. We don't have a, we, we, that's not going to keep us safe. And as I began to look at this, God began to speak to me about the difference between the Holy Alliance and the Old Covenant uh, was with God. But only the priest really could be in that Holy Alliance in that situation. I don't have time to teach all that. But in the New Covenant, everybody say in the New Covenant, God made a decision to make it so we could overcome. It's because of the blood of the Lamb. Everybody say the blood of the Lamb. And the good news is in Hebrews, this is what it says. And this is, this is the alliance that we have. Now, remember, uh, the word alliance means that, that we are in an agreement with God. to A bond or connection between families, states, or parties, an accord, a treaty, a compact, or a covenant. Are we in covenant? We are in alliance with a holy God. And it says in Hebrews chapter 8, For this is the covenant... This is the alliance that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. That's why it says in Galatians, it's no longer I who lives a bit, it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. What that says is I give all rights up to myself and I live my life as God's child. In the earth to demonstrate his victory, to demonstrate his life, to demonstrate his resurrection in the earth. How many of you live that way every day? That's the way we live. Say, that's the way I live. Now, you may not have the manifestation of all that yet, but that's who you are. That's the relationship you're in. And you are in alliance, in an alliance with God himself through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, you should all be standing up shouting the victory right now. Hallelujah. I mean, this is exciting if you get the revelation. See, but what we're thinking of is, oh, boy, I know what I did this week. Ooh, you know, how could I be in alliance with God? Well, I'm talking spirit here, okay? Not flesh. Not flesh. I'm talking spiritually. It's the same as it says, God shed his love abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit of God. Well, you know, I don't walk in love like God walks in love every day. You probably all do, but I, I have my misgivings. And so, but do I have it? Do I have it? Does the word say I have it? I have it. I have it. But I don't always see the manifestation every day. Well, it's the same with this relationship that you're in. You are in a holy alliance with God himself. He is your ally. He is your, he's your number one fan. He loves you more than anybody else will ever love you, and he will never stop loving you. Now, the blessing may stop if you decide to do something that pulls you into the realm where the curse is out there. But the blessing will never stop. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. But does he ever stop loving you? No. It says in John 3. Now, I want to show you this because this is exciting. And I'm going fast because the time goes more, much faster than my brain can go. And, and I have so much to tell you tonight. But everybody say, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. John chapter 3. It's, this is what God, the word of God says about Jesus and it says in verse 30 of John 3 he must increase that I must that, that he must increase but I must decrease 
This is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. And he who comes from above is above all. He who is in, of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And then he goes on in verse 34. He says, for he whom God has sent, which would be Jesus, speaks the words of God. For God does not give the spirit by measure. He does not just give you the right arm of the Holy Ghost. You have the whole person of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Do you understand that? That's the spirit, the spirit of God. What it's saying here is Jesus was full of the spirit of God. Now, I want to show you this. Look at John chapter 1. This is what it says in John chapter 1, verse 16. And of his fullness, what was he full of? He was full of the spirit. Of his fullness, we have all received Grace for grace. What does that mean? We have got the same spirit. The Bible says that also in Romans chapter 8. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Do you ever say that when you read the word? Not the same spirit dwells in you. No, in me. You need to take the word and make it personal because it will come alive on the inside of you. So what I'm saying to you tonight is there is no lack of power no lack of authority, no lack of dominion on the inside of anyone who knows Jesus Christ. So why do we not see the demonstration of it all the time? Number one, because people do not have a revelation that that's who they are. Number two is because they know what they do. Amen? Now the good news is, because you have the fullness of the Spirit, you not only have the ability to stop doing what you're doing that keeps that from happening... But once it's stopped, you have the ability to do the things that Jesus did. Amen? Amen? But it does require, everybody say it does require less flesh. See, Jesus never sinned. What does that mean? He never got in his flesh. You know, some people say, well, he kicked over those chairs. Well, I'm telling you, it says he never sinned. If God said he never sinned, then those chairs need to be kicked over because it was not sin. You got that? You know? And a lot of people use that to demonstrate why they get angry. I'm telling you, you better be sure when you do something like that, the Spirit said do it. But we know that Jesus was without sin. He didn't operate in the flesh. He operated by the Spirit, which he was full of. Not a little bit, but the whole thing. He was God in the flesh. But he operated by the Spirit of God on the inside. He said, only do what my Father says to do. I only do what I see my Father do. Everybody say, that's by the Spirit. Now, I, I certainly cannot stand up here today and say, I have got this. I'm telling you, God told me to get it. <laughs> Isn't he fun? I tell you, God is delightful to, to deal with. Because I had been asking him, and I was in Florida, and very briefly, I went to a friend uh, the pastor we used to have in Tulsa had been visiting these friends at one point. They lived in a penthouse in Florida on the beach. And, and, and Pastor Billy Joe was there visiting. And, and my friend said to him, uh, I know this is a lovely place. They were talking about how beautiful it was, how they could look out over the Atlantic, see the beach. And, uh, and she said, yes, it's lovely and it's beautiful, but I'm not comfortable here. And he immediately said to her, right out, just like that, too much flesh. And when she told me the story, God said, that's the problem right there. Too much flesh. Because I'm saying, God, I know you said I'm going to demonstrate my power in the earth. I'm going to demonstrate. Now, if we never get it, he's still going to show up. I just want to tell you that. But he's going to shock you because he's going to come through some poor soul who got saved and is repentant and doesn't know beans about anything. But they are so willing to walk in humility that God's going to show up and use them. And everybody's going to say, what was that? And they're going to say, it must have been God because that... 
that guy doesn't know anything. Amen? Because there's so, la- lack of, so little of the person, but so much of God. So much of God. And, but we, we have that choice to be those people. I believe we're in that generation that's going to see this move. I, I, I expect it every day. I expect it every day. I expect it when I walk in a place. And you say, well, that's arrogant. No, because I know God is going to show up and people are going to have to say, well, God is real. He, he is real. That's, that's really what this whole thing is about that we're living in. And so as I, as I begin to look at this, and, and she said that, I said to God, well, what do we do? And he said, move off the beach. That's what she did. Her and her husband, they moved off the beach and moved into another location. She said the nakedness of the people on the beach, the things you would see down on the beach, far overlooked the beauty of what we saw out there. And we couldn't get past it. It was right underneath us. The things that went on after dark down on the beach that they could see and they could hear. And, and God just began to just say a lot of things to me that I'm not going to share tonight. But I want to tell you, it's time to get off the beach. Time to get off the beach. And, uh, and, and so I want to talk to you tonight. Uh, Pastor John had said to me, Mom, do you have any more to share in this message? I said, I think I'm done. And God said, no, you're not. And then he called me this morning and said, did you think you have more to go with that message or any message? I said, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm still going on. Move off the beach. Hallelujah. Too much flesh. You know, now you say, I wish she'd get off this message. Well, I will as soon as God says, stop saying this. But, but this is what he said to me. Just on July 4th, I was sitting in the park. He said, prepare to advance and align your thoughts with mine. And I know a lot of songs about going forward. How many of you know? A lot of songs. He said, I'm not talking about forward. I'm talking about advance. Advance means you're moving against something. Moving forward can just mean you're going forward. I mean, advance does to go forward. But advance has a connotation of pressing against something and moving forward. And uh, he, first he said, align your thoughts with mine. Well, that sounds a lot like how can two walk together except they be agreed. I thought, oh, well, I'm not finished yet. I mean, I've got more than I'm going to have to learn about this. And so I, I looked at Galatians 5, and I want you to look at this scripture with me because it, it describes exactly what we're talking about, and especially about thoughts. Everybody say thoughts. Now, if you're in alliance with God, you think like God. Now, I know that I don't always think like God, but I can tell you if I ask God, I can find out what he thinks. It's just that I don't always take time to find out what he thinks because I'm so busy thinking. How many of you like to think? How many of you get started thinking with a God thought and then you trail off as to how that God thought really is? That's called reasoning. Everybody say reasoning. And I'm good at that too because I'm human. So I have to take control of my thoughts. And it says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Why is, why is Paul saying that? For the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. That's every believer. We don't wake up in the morning saying, I wonder how I could sin today. We don't think that. However, we have this war always going on. And like John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he can increase. We have to make that choice every day. I must decrease so he can increase. And what God says to do is not always what we want to do. I mean, sometimes I want to do what God says if, it, if it's blessing me. 
But sometimes God tells me to do things that are going to bless somebody else that may not bless me as much as it might bless them. Like, you know, love your enemies. How many of you know that's not always a blessing to you? But it blesses God, and it blesses those people, and spiritually it blesses you and me. But it doesn't feel like it, does it? Everybody say, but that's flesh. See, that's flesh. And so as I looked at that, I've always prayed in this church. Well, not since I haven't been preaching every Sunday, but when I was preaching every Sunday, especially in the beginning, when I, I would always go by the restroom on my way in and I would get in there and I'd pray in the Holy Ghost and I would say, Lord, let the meditations, let the words you know, in my heart, meditations in my heart, and the words of my mouth, everybody say mouth, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Why? Because if I'm not saying what he's saying, I have nothing to offer. And I know I can say things I shouldn't. In fact, many Sundays or Wednesdays when I go home, God would have a little chit-chat about some of the things I said that were, you know, just my flesh getting excited. You know, there's a real fine line between the anointing and the flesh taking over. And, and, and so he, he began to really deal with me about some things. It's nice to have people laugh and get excited, but you can't preach to make people laugh. You have to preach what God's saying. If they laugh, great, and if they don't... Well, you'll just have to figure it out later. See, and, and we want to all be liked. How many, how many of you like to be liked? You didn't wake up this morning saying, I hope nobody even talks to me today. <laughs> now, I felt that way some days, but it wasn't because I didn't want to be liked. <laughs> but, you know, we always have those days when, when silence would be really golden. But I'm just talking about there's not a person created that God doesn't want to be loved and doesn't want to give love. That's how God made us. He made us to be like him. We're created in his image. But... There are situations and circumstances where those things are difficult to do on any given day. And so as we're, doing the, as, as we're going about our day, that's, that's Psalm 1914. I think, did you put it up there a minute ago? You probably did. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Why your heart? Because that's where your thoughts are. Everybody say, that's where my thoughts are. Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, when I was first filled with the Holy Ghost, somebody told me, you know, the devil can't, can't mess with your, with your uh, thoughts unless you give him permission. That's where the real battlefield is. And, of course, Joyce, My Joyce Meyer wrote a whole book about the battlefield of the mind. If the devil can get a hold of our thoughts, then he's got us in an unholy alliance. Now, I'm just telling you, when you get mad at somebody, you are in an unholy alliance. You have just gotten in agreement with the accuser of the brethren. You say, but they didn't do it right. Well, then pray for them. Pray the word of God over them, not get that scoundrel before I do God. <laughs> or, you know, if, if, you know, if, they, if, if they, you know, get lost today and I never see them again, that'd be perfect. No, begin to pray that God will change their heart and deliver them from their adversary. Why? Because you think like God. Do you think God... When you, when you have a situation, thinks like you do, or do you think he thinks a little differently? Does God want a win-win situation, or does he want one person to win and the other to lose? He's a win-win God, amen? And so he changes our thinking to be like his thinking. And then we're in this holy alliance. Now, I want to show you, remember when we talked about Jeroboam? Some of you weren't here, but it's in 1 Kings. I want to show you this. 1 Kings 11, 11 and 12, if you could put that up. Okay. Therefore, the, the Lord said to Solomon, because you've done this and have not kept my covenant, my statues, which I've commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Verse 12. 
Nevertheless, I will do it in the, it not, do, not do it in your day. For the sake of your father, David, I will tear it out of the hand of your son. He goes on and he, he does say to Jeroboam, I am going to give you, I'm going to give you, everybody say give you, the responsibility of the kingdom of Israel. When I split it, you will have ten tribes. And he, he tells them all of this. And so it, everybody say he had a word. Solomon had a word, Jeroboam had a word, but then Jeroboam takes a thought. Everybody say, takes a thought. Uh, now, I know this is going to make a, a little problem maybe, but can you do 1 Kings twelve twenty six in the NIV? In the NIV. This is what it says right here in the New King James. And this is what it, okay, let's look at this in first. Jeroboam, Jeroboam thought to him, see what did he do? He thought to himself. The kingdom will now likely revert to the house of David. And he went on, if you can just keep going on down. Can, can you do that, 27? If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. So, so now what is he doing? He's taken what God told him and promised him, and he, he took a thought. Everybody say, he took a thought. And so his thought is that they'll get an allegiance with somebody else, and then they won't be his people. Well, they never were his people. God put those people under his reign, and he said, you get to be over them. You get to be the king. But, it, but see, he decided, well, if I, if I let them go back to Jerusalem to worship, then they might decide to be with Judah instead of me. And so he went on, it says, they will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. So listen to what he does. After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. How many of you believe that would be really pleasing to God? For the children of Israel to do that. And he said to the people, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Two cows who brought you out of Egypt. Listen, I'm telling you, that will get you in deep trouble with God. Because that is saying Egypt is the source. And they got in trouble for that already many times. And, and, and it goes on and he, he did all of that. What did he do? He took a thought. The New King James said, he said in his heart. Everybody say same thing. See, he, what God promised, he began to reason. And, and what caused him to do that? I want you to turn to James chapter 3. You know, uh, the, the greatest weapon against the church is division and strife. Everybody say division and strife. I mean, it's, it's the end of everything. It is the end of everything. If you understand spiritual authority, God gives authority. And we cannot go over the authority that is over us. We can pray that God opens their eyes to revelation, but they are assigned that position and they operate in that position. They have authority. They have a dominion in that position and God honors that order. And until they're removed from that position, then we're to pray for them. Everybody say pray for them. We're not to just say, oh, well, we're, this is the way it is. We're to pray. But when we pray, we think like God. Everybody say think like God. And, you know, I've seen this happen many times where people decide they have a revelation and they want the person that's over them to get the revelation, take marriage. You know, I remember when Pastor Bill was growing in the Word, I was so much smarter than him. Hallelujah, I knew so much more. And I could be his Holy Ghost, just like that, if God wouldn't let me. But God said, you are not the Holy Ghost. And you can stop right now because I honor him over you in these situations. Because he can only operate with the faith he has in what he knows. 
and you try to pull him over there where you are, he is not going to be able to stand. Anything that's not of faith is sin, it says in Romans. And so you have to allow people to operate in the faith that they're walking in. Brother Hagin used to say, come down the stairs and get on the step they're on. Do not try to pull them up the ladder to where you are. Everybody say, think like God. You can't bring people up there. Only God can do that in people's lives. And, um, and so in James, it talks about uh, the, the problem with, with the tongue, with the mouth. And I'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But, but I want you to look at it. It says in verse 10, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Everybody say spirit, spirit. and flesh. And then it goes on, and it says the reason for this is, the verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, what is it, what's going to happen in the last days? People are going to be lovers of self. Do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. It is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Any, whether you're a believer or not a believer, this book is James writing to believers. If we get in a position where we get into envy, strife, jealousy, confusion, and every work, everybody say too much flesh. Too much flesh. Move off the beach. Everybody say move off the beach. Move off that beach. Because uh, Pastor Billy Joe went on in a, a commentary in this Bible that I have and said that this uh, will tear apart a church will infect the life of a congregation, a team of workers, or an individual unless prayerful monitoring resists these evil seeds being sown and taking root. Only by the love of God and the Holy Spirit's help can one stop strife. Um, I looked in the book of Acts. Everybody say, advance the kingdom. Now, I'm going to give you a few of the things that, that I feel like God has said to me before I share this last part. When I heard this word, prepare, prepare to advance, align your thoughts with mine, um, Immediately was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the thoughts. That's what the word of God says. The thoughts I think toward you. Everybody say, God does have a thought. He has a thought. And if we're going to align and be an alliance, an ally of God, we have to think like God. We cannot think for ourselves. And uh, he gave me this example. You know when you have a three-ring binder, and if you've ever had a hole punch, how many of you have ever operated a hole punch in a three-ring binder? And uh, you punch all your papers. And then you go across the hall and you come back and you remember something you didn't punch. And, but meanwhile, Sally Sue got the puncher. And she reset the holes. So she punches everything and you go in real quick to do your last page and none of it lines up. Everybody say out of alignment. I mean, it's a mess. Have you ever tried to make think I'll just push a little harder? Everything rips. You know, you have to start all over. And then you have to get the hole punch thing. You know, I, I prefer punched paper. That's the answer for any of you that get upset about that. Buy whole punched paper. My husband buys whole punched paper, and I thought, this is genius right here. But I'm just saying, everybody say aligned. aligned. And, and so when it says, he said, prepare to advance, God will give me, you know, little things. That, and that really irritates me, so I caught on to that really quick. And then he said, if a train would be going down the track and a railroad tie would get cross, you know, pull off, the whole train would be derailed. Because the train track wasn't aligned and the train can, could not go in the power that it was supposed to go in. And then he said to me, the battle has escalated, intensified to a high level. If you do not rise to that level to compete, to resist, then you are already defeated. 
this is the time to stand. And he reminded me immediately, he said this, the final alliance is Satan himself with the mark of the beast. So stand. I mean, this was serious. You know, I can tell when God gets serious in the park because all kinds of things start happening. Like my phone will go off or the radio will go berserk or it's things to distract me. And I know, listen, I need to listen up really quick to this. He said, the last days, the love of God, we, people will love God, but they will love self more. And it says they'll deny, deny the power thereof. And God said to me, they will have no ability to operate in the intensity of power at the level that this last day army will need to be overcome. And the reason for that is too much flesh. Everybody say too much flesh. See, Jesus operated fully in the spirit of God. He did not sin. He never entered into any flesh. Now, I, I don't believe that we control what God's going to do in the earth. But I'll tell you, if we're going to be a part of what God's going to do in the earth, we've got to get rid of the flesh. We've got to make a choice. And so God took me today, and I want to close with this. It's in Acts chapter 2. Would you turn there? Acts chapter 2. You know, now this was a powerful church. Everybody say a powerful church. And it's not that we wouldn't, you know, there's going to be a lot of things that happen in the last days. You know, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of people getting saved, a lot, of, a lot of things that aren't truth being professed, lots of crowds following after people. You know, they, they, I mean, there's a lot of deception that are gonna happen, that's going to happen in the last days. But Jesus said, everybody say Jesus said, in, in chapter 13 of John, he said, they will know you by your love for one another. Everybody say one another. And so we are not, in, not only in a holy alliance with God, we are in a holy alliance with each other as the body of Christ. And the enemy, the only way he can stop the power, I believe, of what God's getting ready to do as far as the church is concerned, is the people of God in the church have to recognize we have to stay in unity. And this is what I, this was the example God gave me. It's in Acts chapter 2. It says in verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 46 says, so continuing, day, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Everybody say, we are in an alliance. We are in an alliance with God and with one another, and this church got it. And they came together, and it says, they were praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. See, when we get out of the flesh, everybody say out of the flesh, and we really begin to think like God as a church, when we start thinking like God as people in our home, you know, the enemy cannot live in your home. He, he cannot abide where the power and the presence of God are. But we determine the, the, the rate of power in our house, I truly believe, by the way we operate in the flesh. Because of what James 3 says, when you live in that kind of a thing, whether it's in your house, in the church, or where, work, wherever it is, the power of God is thwarted. It, is, it has a cap on it. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. You're just in a position where you're not going to operate in the power of God. That's what happens in 2 Timothy 3. They love God, but they love themselves more, and they deny the power thereof. They have a form of godliness. A form of, what I said, Lord, what does that mean? Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm Catholic, but not practicing? <laughs> Please, what is that? But then God said to me, well, there's a lot of people who say I'm Christian, 
they don't say I'm not practicing, but the word means Christ-like. Are you getting this? Okay, enough. Then, it says in Psalm 133.1, now this is really important. It says, how beautiful, how wonderful it is when the brethren dwell in unity. It is like the oil. Everybody say the oil. Can you put verse 2 up there for me? It's, 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 it's like the oil. Now, whenever you talk oil, you're talking anointing. Everybody say anointing. And, and so it says in verse 2 of 133, if you could put that up for me. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard of the beard of Aaron. Aaron was the priest, and that would be the anointing. The, the running down on the edge of his garments. You know, Pastor John said we're going to touch his garment. I'm telling you, I'm believing for the day where people walk through that door and go, and they're totally free of drugs. Are you looking for that? Well, let's get in unity. Because that church in Acts, they had all kinds of power going on. And when somebody got beat up or something happened, they'd go, oh, dear God, it's not fair. Or I don't get to be Paul. Or I don't get to be Peter. All that stuff. None of that. They were in unity. Everybody say unity. And where there was unity, there was great power. And God added to the church. It says, and it goes on in verse 3 of this, and it says, It was like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. That was God's holy city. For where the, there, for there, everybody say there, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. See, when we get out of the flesh, we first get into agreement with God. Because we are in unity with the Spirit. And it says in Ephesians 1, above all, stay in the bond of peace, in the unity of the Spirit, not who everybody likes or what they don't like, in the unity of the Spirit. And it says that the fivefold ministry is brought into the church to teach the people to get to that place where they walk in that kind of unity. Why? Because there's power. Everybody say power. And God's about to do something. Matthew 11, let's look at it and we'll close. This is the last scripture I want to give you. Matthew 11. Praise Jesus, I got to the end. Matthew 11. Now you've heard this verse. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. It says in my Bible, though the Greek here is somewhat difficult to translate, the idea in this verse is that the kingdom of heaven, everybody say, we are here to advance the kingdom of heaven. Not our agenda, not what we like, the kingdom of heaven. Which Jesus set up as a powerful movement or reign among men not up in heaven, among men, requires of them an equally strong and radical reaction. The violent take it by force. And in my Bible, it says Jesus defines the violence of his kingdom expansion by defining the sword and the fire. He has brought a different, he has brought as different from the battle techniques of political and military warfare. It says the upheaval caused by the kingdom of God, everybody say there will be one, is not caused by political provocation or armed advance. It is the result of God's order shaking relationships, households, cities, and nations by the entry of the Holy Spirit's power working through people. Everybody say through people. He says, the unique grammatical construction of the text does not make clear if the kingdom of God is the victim of violence or, or if, as the kingdom advances in victory, it does so through violent spiritual conflict and warfare. But the context does 
but the context does, Jesus references to the non-religious style of John and the confrontive, miraculous ministry of Elijah teach us that the kingdom of God makes its penetration by a kind of violent entry opposing the human status quo. It transcends the softness of staid religious formalism and exceeds the pretension of child's play. It refuses to dance to the music of society's expectation that the religious community provide either entertainment, we played the flute, or dead transitionalism, tra traditionalism, we mourned. What is it? It is pure. It is holy. It is a relationship with God that stands above. That stands above flesh. It stands above what I want. It stands above self. It stands above selfishness. And it says, not my will, but your will be done. I give you everything. Everybody say, I, I give you everything. Now, I want you to stand tonight because I believe God is requiring this of the church like never before. When I, when I asked Lori today to do that song at the end, what can I do? What can I say? but offer this life of mine completely to you. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.